Good morning, and welcome to Real Human Design Stories, where we share real-life stories of how human design has helped our guests know themselves on a deep, transformative level. Whether you're joining us live here during Sunday Story Hour in my Facebook group or catching this on your favorite podcast platform on Mondays, you'll be able to find all the details you need in the show notes or the Facebook comments. By knowing and trusting ourselves, we develop deeper, more honest relationships and unlock our true gifts. I'm Kathy Bashanko, and this week we're sharing my human design story. And in true fashion, I have a little bit of glitch there in the beginning. And I'm just going to start by saying that is one of the things that I have really learned about myself through human design is that I tend to um, work best when I am talking with someone else. So I hope there are some of you here watching and um, that will probably help the flow of this. And I am still not liking the lighting of this. If any of you are watching this versus listening to it, I apologize for that. Um, so anyway, I'm Kathy Bashanko, and I have been doing this podcast in the form of a weekly chat here in this human design group on Facebook. And recently it has become a podcast. And so I'm reaching a broader audience. And because of that, I would like to take this time to share with you a little bit of my journey and what human design has meant for my life. And I am pulling it up in the group now so I can see <clears throat> excuse me, if there's any comments or questions as we go about this. So, okay, I have been on my human design journey for maybe, um, well, let's see, my sister introduced it to me in 2016. And at that time, when I found out the specifics of my chart, I was kind of in just a normal kind of place in life. I don't know if that makes sense. I was working in retail fashion. And as a projector, it was getting harder and harder for me to be on my feet, work those. Um, I had kind of gotten to a point where I was able to tell them I couldn't do certain things. So it was going okay. I had... Um, kind of earned the right to say, I won't work evenings, I won't work weekends, that sort of thing. And I was very involved as a mom. My daughter was almost 16 at the time, and she's a cross-attention splenic manifester. You may have heard me mention in some other posts. So my husband is a 5-1 manifesting generator, pure sacral, although he doesn't know it. He doesn't really... Neither of them do anything with human design. So it's helped me immensely to understand them, but it is not something that either one of them really do anything with on their own. It's amazing how much it has helped them, though, just me understanding them. Anyway, so at that time, I was introduced to the idea of, hey, you're a projector, and when you initiate things, they don't always go so well. And that really resonated. And 
that you don't have sustainable energy when you are just trying to prove yourself and all of this stuff really resonated because I had spent so much of my life just feeling like I could do anything really, like I can do anything I want if I put myself to it, but I never had the energy to continue a lot of those things or do anything else besides whatever that was. So I had really found a lot of value in knowing the idea that I was a projector. And then also the idea that I have emotional authority really resonated to me because I just felt like I was always trying to make up my mind about stuff. And so there were a lot of things that resonated. And in true projector fashion, with an open ajna, I needed to be certain about all this human design stuff. And I dove in really deep, like over the course of maybe a week, I spent a lot of my time um, reading about human design. And, you know, I was not guided by anyone. I was just doing whatever I came across. And in 2016, there wasn't nearly the amount of information out there that there is now. And I don't know if that was good or bad, because some of the information out there now is not super helpful. But what happened is I wound up very quickly reading about things that I just wasn't in a place to receive yet. It was weird to me. You know, here I was, this suburban, you know, mom, you know, going to the Episcopal Church and doing my my very traditional life, even though I was probably weird to a lot of other people because I was open to other things. I live in North Georgia, you know. I was raised in Chicago, so that made me a little bit more um, open than some people. But, um, yeah. I started reading about the rave in 2027 and crystals in the earth and bundles and stuff that just felt weird. So I let it go. And that was in 2016. I just was like, yeah, no, this is some crazy cult stuff. And I'm not that crazy cult person. I believe in science and I believe in, um, you know, so I wound up letting it go and just going about my life. And at this point, I should say, okay, I'm a sixth line, and the sixth line has three phases to life. Um, and I do believe everyone has a little bit of this, but the sixth line really definitely has this phase one up to your first Saturn return, um, kind of living as a third line sort of trial and error. And I certainly had that. I lived in Chicago and was, you know, trying to be all the things depending on the day of the week. Was I the super dedicated work person or was I the fun, crazy party girl or, you know, who was I? I tried all the things. And then there's the part where after your Saturn return, you do what's called going up on the roof. And I always equate that to like that TV show, Third Rock from the Sun, where they sat up on the roof and looked at the planets and said, look at all those people out there. You know, what? It, what's going on? Like, yeah, that's that was the next stage, and that really equated to me getting married, settling down, um, struggling with infertility, quitting my job because of it, 
also my um I'd had a change in jobs and I had went from a job where I had been definitely invited and entered it into into it correctly into a job that because this job of 9 years had closed down I had to go and look for a job so I initiated the process of finding a job and that job sucked I did not succeed in that job and I wound up um quitting that job when I was struggling with infertility and trying to um, become recognized in that job, I was constantly trying to get recognized. And the more I tried to get recognition in that job, the more they hated me. And I knew that. And I knew it was just a bad situation. And I hate is a strong word, but I was not successful in that position. And so I quit and I went to school, which I had never gone to college outside after high school. And I was working to, you know, on the infertility stuff, finally got pregnant, had my beautiful daughter, the cross of tension manifester, who's here to push me beyond belief. And um, we, when she was two years old, my husband invited me, right? He, He was offered a transfer to move to Atlanta, to North Georgia. And so when we moved out here, that was really on the roof, right? Because I knew nobody. um, And I was really overwhelmed. It was hard being a projector, raising a manifester, when my manifesting generator husband was at work all day and I didn't have support. So that was really difficult. And I have the 3955, which in human design is the channel of emoting. And that is my emotional wave. And there's a lot of melancholy in that. And I also have the one eight, which is a channel with a lot of melancholy. And I really thought I had depression. I was a um, second line who was not doing things that I was called out for. Um, And it was hard. I didn't know when enough was enough. So if I did find something that brought me joy, like gardening, I would work until my daughter was like, please, mom, can we have dinner? You know? Um, yeah. And so Vicky says on here, cross of tensions rock. I have so many cross of tensions that keep coming into my life because clearly the universe is looking to push me, which, you know, that's what cross of tension does. They help us to push on those, t- those, borders of tension. So when I finally got to 50, it was really funny because I was in a really good place when I came down off the roof, right? I can remember my 50th birthday, which my Chiron return, which is what starts the third phase of the sixth line person for the sixth line where you enter into the role model. I remember my 50th birthday party And I remember looking around and my house was filled with people. And I was in tears because I was like, oh my God, I feel so loved. And um, it was a really special way that I felt. But then, you know, that was, so what, that was 2017, okay? So let's cut forward a little bit. Now it's 2019, my daughter's getting ready to go to college. I'm looking at some 
different things. I don't even, oh, I had a new boss who had not invited me to work for him. Uh, he had just got me, right? I was kind of stuck there. And we had a little bit of tr- trouble in the beginning. And we pushed through that. And uh, he's still a good friend now. But I remember during that process thinking, you know, I've only had three jobs in my life that I really felt good about. And all three situations were very much things where I had been doing what I love and at another job. And someone had seen me, recognized my gifts and said, I want you to work for me. And I had said, no, that's okay. Right now I'm good, you know, whatever. And I had waited and waited. And then when I had some reason to realize that that was a better fit for me, whether it was that I left that other job or I needed to leave that other job, I wound up going into these three positions and becoming very successful. And every other situation was just so hard. And so in the back of my mind, that stuff I heard in 2016 never went away. So this was coming up for me and going, yeah, those things you did the way they said that you should. And I wound up with my daughter. Um, I had read that she was a manifester and I'd read a little bit about it. But, you know, back then she was 15. Life was not, she was starting to have a little bit of trouble with some friends or whatever, but life was decent for her. And I hadn't really dove into her chart. And so when she was having some fears about going to college and had been having trouble her senior year with other girls, um, I had looked into the whole idea of what it means to be a manifester again. And when I really understood my daughter is here to really be grounded in her sense of safety, all those times I pushed her to um, think about what she was doing, to slow down, all of that. You know, she has fear, motivation, caves, environment. She's a splenic manifester. She's got that internal, nonverbal, creative flow that's just supposed to tell her when things are right, right? So she um, was a lot of the impetus for me starting to look, th- look into it again and think about things again. And then I started to really get deep. And I found some of you may have heard the the episode I did with Stefano Lazaro, and I should have looked up which one it was, but I'll put it in the notes later. But he is the one who responded to a question of mine in a Facebook group where I asked something about my chart or maybe my daughter's chart. I think it was mine. must have been mine because he said, you're a projector. He replied to me privately and he said, you're a projector. You're already off the roof. The world needs you. Here um, is some help. I let me get, I'll give you a reading. He basically did a reading for me and um, kind of served as a mentor for me for months in the beginning. And I can remember asking him like so many questions, and he was really great. But what wound up happening then is I did that projector thing again. I have a okay. So I have a completely open Ajna and I have one gate. Well, it's actually t- double 
I have the 64 twice hanging off of my undefined head center. And the 64 is all about the questions, right? Well, all the head gates are about the questions. And that's Pluto for me. It's defined by Pluto. So I was always trying to figure everything out. You know, if I know the answers, then I will know what to do, right? So I spent probably two years whenever I wasn't at work or busy doing something, I would be reading about human design. What can I learn? What can I learn? What can I learn? And I wound up being really bitter because I was reading all this stuff that told me as a projector, I just needed to wait. I needed to wait. I needed to wait. I needed to wait. And I was sick of waiting. I felt like, oh my God, I'm already in my fifties. How much longer do I have to wait? Right. And, um, it was, it was a little bit icky. Right. And what I've since learned is that being a projector and you're, when you're feeling that bitterness, it's kind of a safety mechanism. It's telling you it's not time yet. You're not ready. You're doing this for the wrong reasons. You're doing this with um, the wrong motivations, right? And a lot of what I was doing was like looking for someone else to tell me that I was okay. Um, You know, some of you may have heard of what they call the projector wound, and it's this wound that we're not okay, that we're not enough, that somebody needs to to recognize us before we can recognize ourselves. And I spent a while, um, I spent a while doing that, you know, waiting, waiting, wanting my husband to see that I was okay, wanting my daughter to, you know, see I was okay, whatever, whoever it was. And I, um, I really you know, having that 3955 and the 1-8, I still didn't understand how that worked. You know, I would read all this stuff about tracking your emotional wave and waiting for emotional clarity. And I was trying to think and manage my way through it, right? So I wound up um, probably, so 2020, we all know that was the year that all of our lives right? I don't know anybody who will say, oh yeah, 2020 was the best year of my life. But in some ways, 2020 was really an amazing year for me because it caused me to really slow down and embrace that second line hermit um, part of me. It also was the year I decided to quit my job in retail. When we came back after COVID, it was really hard because the shifts had changed and I had to work a lot of evenings and weekends or else I wouldn't have any hours. And um, because there were only two of us ever working, one person opened and one closed basically. And I realized I was just one getting too old for that. And two, it no longer allowed me to work in a way that felt rewarding. You couldn't get up close and personal with people. And when I had worked in retail, what I loved was helping people know 
that they were, it was okay for them to be who they am. I worked at a clothing store and so many women would say to me, oh, I can't wear that. I'm too old. And I'd be standing there and I'm 10 years older than them. And they'd be like, oh, but you can pull it off. And it's like, you're never too old to be you. And I would have these little conversations. You don't have to wear it if you don't like it, but if you like it, you can, you know, and I would so many times help people to be okay with who they were inside and not feel they had to constrain themselves based on some sort of um, society parameters that they, um, you know, thought were there to judge whether or not they could do something. So that was a big part of what I did, but now I couldn't, I couldn't get within six feet of people. So that felt a little bit different. And I just decided I want to do something more meaningful, more spiritual. I was getting really deep into understanding my human design, and it just felt like I was supposed to do something that, like, it really, it felt like I was supposed to do something that was more spiritually serious, right? And what's funny is now I look at how perfect that job was for me. If you look at my chart, I am... Um, if you look at the arrows, I'm what's called P-R-R-D-L-L. And basically it's, I'm here to be active in my environment and receptive at the same time. So when I was selling people jeans, I was doing so much healing work and learning so much about them and myself at the same time. And those conversations were really genuine and they had impact on people, right? Myself and the people that I'm was, was talking to. So I, um, but I quit my job at the end of 2020. I called it retirement 1.0. And I knew that I was going to do something else, but I had no idea what, and I was just tired. And so I think um, I spent about a year just like glued to my, my computer, watching YouTube videos about human design, trying to learn different things and doing a lot of energy work with my sister who does a lot of healing thing, healing modalities, and just really letting go of all of these wounds of I'm not good enough. There's something wrong with me because I don't operate like other people. And, um, and I want to make it clear, I never tried to be normal. It wasn't like I ever felt like I was supposed to be like everybody else. I always prided myself as not fitting in, you know, that whole saying, why fit in when you're born to stand out? But I needed to stand out. I needed to stand out in order to be recognized. And it was kind of obnoxious. And I still have a little bit of that in me, but that's the one eight. The one eight is this create the channel one eight, this channel of inspiration is really that combined with the six line personality is really here for people to see us as a role model in a lot of different ways. So I no longer see it as um, something I need. Um, and now it just, I've been able to understand that it is innate in me. And when people would make me feel like in the past people would make me feel like there was something 
wrong with me like I was supposed to not stand out. And now that I can see that I am meant to stand out, but it doesn't matter what the other people think when I am standing out. There's a very different energy behind it, and I hope that makes sense. Um, and I'd love if someone tells me in the comments if that does make sense. Um, so anyway, so here it's 2020, and I quit my job, spent the next year just kind of self-studying, like intense, like it was a full-time job for me, finding everything I could. And I had a lot of information that was provided for me. I bought a lot of things, um, and I but I self-studied. And then I went to my first human design conference in 2021, and being in a room full of people who cared about human design and were doing this sort of work was so absolutely life-changing for me. And it was the first time. Okay, I want to make sh sure that people understand this. That conference I went to in 2021, I was almost 58 years old. I would be 58 years old a couple of months later. And that was the first time since I had been gotten married in 1996 that I had paid for me to do anything on my own as far as a trip, like without my family, without either my daughter or my husband. Because, right, that's that's what I had been taught is that we do things as a family. Everything is about the family and it felt really weird to do it. And when I did it, I was like, oh my God, I I have a whole part of me I've been ignoring. I have this whole Kathy that is being locked in her room, right? She doesn't get to come out because, you know, she feels bad having to spend money on her or do whatever. And so once that door was opened, it was it was not easy because there was still a part of me that was like I had these these mindsets that there was that that was selfish that you know if if we were going to go on a vacation we should go together or whatever so that took me a while so i don't want anyone to think that human design just like opened up it was probably um well it was i came back from the human design conference in 2022 I went to another one in September, and that's when I knew that I w needed to do something. Like, I really, in my core being, needed to do something with this. I needed to start building a life around this and doing a business. I went to that conference, and I had several people at that 22 com 2022 conference tell me um, that I am... A human design encyclopedia is what my friend Maureen referred to me as. And um, so I, they were like, you need to start a YouTube channel or something. So I came home, started trying to do it. And then it's funny because as much as we know stuff, so I here I am the encyclopedia, but I'm still needing to be certain about each step I am doing, right? So I go to start this YouTube channel and... I didn't know what I was doing. And then the judgment starts and then the questions start. And so that was a pivotal time for me. And a lot of what happened there was 
a combination of not just my human design work, but the deep healing I had been doing on mindset work and then the energy healing with my sister. Um, Some of you may have heard of Abraham Hicks. Esther Hicks channels a spiritual teaching group called, she calls Abraham. And I found that if I could just seize that 17 seconds, right? So those thoughts would come in, those mindset things that would say, who are you? You can't do this. If I could get it in that 17 seconds and switch it, that it made a huge difference. And so, you know, the the, the key thing that I learned is those mind, those voices in our head, at least for me, don't go away. I still have the voice that said to me going on today, what you're just going to ramble and no one's going to care. And I said, I'm going to trust that the person who's meant to hear this, even if it's just one, is going to hear something. And even if the rest of it sucks, there's something in here that someone's going to get something out of. And so, um, yeah, so here I am, and I may be rambling, and this, like I said, it's kind of really a different format, just me talking versus having the conversation with someone, but um, I have learned to calm down that little voice in my head and say, it's going to be okay, and my favorite thing to say is, Everything is happening for me. Even if it goes horribly wrong, it's something that is needed for my ultimate expansion, right? Because I know sometimes some of the things that were the hardest in life taught me something or brought me something. You know, we get into some kind of a bad situation and out of it comes some silver lining, right? We all know the stories. So, no, thank you, Sharon. Sharon says ramblings are the best. Huh, that's nice to hear. Yes, so everything is happening for me. It's exactly what I need in this moment. And that was a huge shift. And so at first, when I was trying to open to start the YouTube channel back in fall of 2022, when I first came back, I spent a couple of weeks and I I got as far as creating a banner or something like, and I just was the next thing to do. Like, I mean, there were so many things I needed to do that I had no clue how to do and I had nobody to ask. And so I wound up kind of stalling out and then I literally... I've talked about this before. I literally woke up one morning and I was dealing with some, you know, I've been dealing a little bit with this sleep apnea stuff, which is coming from a constricted airway. And I've been dealing with that. So um, it's getting better. But at the time it was really bothering me. And I woke up one morning with this voice in my head saying, you are choosing to die because you're not choosing to live. And I knew that I was just existing. 
I was waiting for somebody else to recognize me and tell me I was good at something and that I could do these different things. And when I didn't have it and something got hard, I was listening to the voice in my head that said, you can't do this. See, who do you think you are? You can't do this. And so I wound up, I was in this weird situation with, um, because I had quit my job and I had spent, at this point, I was out of the money that I considered my stash that I had for myself. And now anything, my husband had retired and we were on a set income and he's very, um, methodical about how he accounts for things. So it stressed him out whenever I would talk about any kind of a major thing to do. So I had to think, how can I do this in a way I'm going, I need to do this. I need to get help. And I invested in a business program that helped me to set up all of my stuff. And I decided to take the money out of my, um, my IRA in order to do it. Cause now I was 59 and a half, so I could do it right. No penalties. And I just really had to um, really rethink things. So this is another part of understanding my design. So I'm emotional authority. My husband has a completely open emotional center. So what used to happen is I would go to him with something I was trying to make a decision about. Not asking for permission or whatever, you know, but talking about things like couples should talk about, you know, like when they're making a major decision. And he would have an opinion and his opinion would be his opinion in the now and it would be pretty reliably going to be his opinion. And so I would talk to him because I'm not sure. I don't know yet. I don't have clarity. And what happened is it turned into him having his opinion, then me having to um, tell him why that wasn't the only option and what my other options were, my other option that I was considering was, which usually there were like two things, right? Do it or don't do it. And so what would happen is in trying to explain to him why his decision, his opinion wasn't the only one, he we would walk away from a conversation with him thinking I was going to do the other thing. And me having had to convince about the other thing being valid so strongly that sometimes I thought I was going to do the other thing. And it was really a a very liberating thing when I realized that I needed to find the clarity on my own and then be at a point where I felt I knew what I wanted to do and then have the conversation with him about what I wanted to do. And it was really, um, Sharon is asking if I have gate 33. I have gate 13 and my husband has gate 33. So she says sharing the secrets in the wrong timing is very 33. So as we know, when we have electromagnetics, we often amplify the gate that the other person has. So it can sometimes be a juicy, great dynamic, and other times it can be like crazy stuff. So anyway, I went to him and said, 
this is what I'm, I think I'm going to do. And as soon as I told him in that manner, like I waited until I had found this way that I felt good about it because he's a five one. It's really easy for me to go to him. And then when he reacts away, me use him as a reason for me not to push beyond my fears. So I wound up having this business. I, I, I invested in um, Kim Guillory's e-school and they helped me to set up a lot of things to, for my business. And then what was interesting was I, I started to, you know, really think about, not think, that's really the wrong word, question, because this is what I do. Now I question and I don't think about it. I ask the question, so how do you, when you're in alignment, um, become coached by somebody? And that was tricky. And I had to really watch myself because there'd be times she would give me some coaching and I would be very excited about it and I would act on it immediately. And those things never worked out because I'm not meant to act on things immediately. I'm not meant to get off a coaching call and then go live and say, I'm doing this now in my business because that doesn't work. So I went through all kinds of things. And but so I want to shift a little bit because now I'm talking more about the business thing. Um, but I want to talk about some of the things I really realized about myself is where it really helped is when I started to slow down. And if I read something that was interesting, resist the urge to just go read more about it. But instead, I would stop and say, let me think about how that plays out in my life. So, for example, really understanding that the only conscious channel that I have, so conscious means it's defined on the personality side. And the only one I have that's completely conscious is that one eight, which connects the throat to the uh, identity center. It's called the vo voice of the channel of inspiration. It's the voice of the creative role model. But it's this voice that speaks from the core of who I am. And so that combined with the fact that I have a defined ego doesn't connect to my, you know, my defined will does not connect to my, my G center. It connects to my spleen. I'm triple split. But I have two things that have me speak from this voice of personal experience. Then you add to that that I am a six line role model. And all these times, in my life, when I had this tendency to talk about myself, I felt a lot of shame for that. Like there was something wrong with me because why do I talk about myself all the time? And now that I can see that it's not talking about myself that it's a problem, it's when I, when I do it, am I invited to? Is it something that others have asked to hear? You know, I had someone tell me that I should say that I should talk from a place of we more. And that just doesn't feel right unless it does feel right. You know, there are times it feels right. But um, 
Like, for example, when I talked about the company I worked for, I would say we. I wouldn't say they because it was part, I was part of that. Um, so, but understanding that voice has been really important in my, in my understanding of myself. And so when I am speaking from a sense of who I am and when I am feeling criticized, that can really shut me down. Okay. So then I don't know if anybody else here has a channel that connects their throat to their G center or even the ego to the, the will center to the throat, which is a really strong energy. It still doesn't, doesn't do well when people criticize your voice, right? It makes you really can put you in a place of insecurity. And I, I understand everybody can become insecure, but it, you know, all these nuances are different. And so for me, when I could see that in myself and I could see that I did best when I spoke from myself. Okay. For example, people would say, well, you know, if you're struggling, you should take notes and you should do this and you should blah, blah, blah. And you should speak from this way. That's, that's awful for me. It doesn't work. You know, I thought about making some kind of outline for today. Never goes well because I don't stick to it. And then I go try to figure out where I'm at, right? So it's better to just speak from my sense of self and what I what I feel called to say. So understanding that about myself was huge. The other thing that was probably one of the biggest things is really understanding when I started to get into this and saw a squirrel or something was the idea of emotional clarity is not the same as certainty. And it's not about waiting till you figure it out. So when people start um, understanding that they are emotional authority, they will oftentimes know that they have to wait but then they still sit there and think about it. And sometimes it's hard not to think about it, but we are meant to, or what serves us best, what works best, is if you just say, well, I'll know what I need to know when I need to know it, right? And if there's this fear sometimes like, oh, like the FOMO is real, right? FOMO and emotional authority is big time because we can be like, oh, if I don't decide, then I can't go. You know, it might be too late. What, what if I decide and now it's sold out? Everything is happening for me, right? So when you put the when you put that thought in there, you know that everything is going to be what it's supposed to be. And there are no, there are no mistakes, right? I um, just had a fun experience doing some paint, playing with some paint. And I was shared a meme of Bob Ross when he's like, you know, there are no mistakes, only happy accidents. He's like, if you make a mistake, you just make it a bird, right? Turn it into a bird. And when you kind of approach that, take that approach to life, it really is very liberating. And so my word this year, I chose the word trust. I don't know if any of you do a word for the year, but for me, 
it's trust and it's really that understanding everything is happening for me. So as I have been going through my business and and growing my business, it's been really interesting to see how things work out. I can remember, in fact, I talked about this in a, another a podcast I did in an interview um, where last year, one of the nicest vacation weeks that I took, you know, my husband and I go down to Florida to visit our daughter a lot. And this one time I remember being like, what? Cause I try to still work, you know, trying to be like kind of a digital nomad type of work. And so we were going down there and right beforehand, I had had a couple of mentoring clients who, for whatever reason, they made, it was no, not a problem. A couple of them either had finished up the three months they signed up for and decided that was enough or, um, I don't know the details. And then a couple people needed to reschedule stuff. And I just had this wide open week that kind of made me a little scared. I was like, you know, why don't I have any business on my calendar? That's not good. I need to do something about it. You know what I did? I had the most amazing week. My husband and I had a great time. That was our best time in Florida of any of the times we went. And the universe did that for me by opening up my schedule to a way where I didn't have to come back and be on a call at such and such a time or stop somewhere and do something. And so if we can really just trust that we don't necessarily understand in the moment what it is. Um, and with emotional clarity, that really helped to know that there is no thinking about it, figuring it out, because everything is happening for us. And we just need to trust that we'll know when we need to know. So when we feel the decision is ready, there's this, for me at least, there's this feeling of, okay, yeah, I think, I think I know, I think I know what I want to do. And for me, the decision becomes more clear when I tell someone, I think I know, I think I'm going to do this. And then I can feel in my body how I respond to their reaction, even if their reaction is bad. Like, are you sure? That sounds scary. I'll be like, yeah, sounds scary, but it's kind of exciting, right? Or whatever. I'll just kind of know. I'll be, and it becomes, and it grows. And the more you commit to it, the more you know it. Um, now that doesn't mean that there aren't still moments where the little voice in my head goes, boy, are you going to be sorry you did this? That still happens, but 17 seconds, that's, that's how long you can let yourself stay in a negative thought before it just really takes you down. So, you know, I think of it like calming down the little kid whose ice cream cone just fell. Oh, honey, I'm sorry. I know you're sad but we're going to be okay. You know, let's go get another one, whatever it is. So, okay. I have been talking pretty much nonstop for 50 minutes. So I, um, I noticed there are a few comments here. I'm wondering if anybody has any questions about anything that they might want to know. Um, and 
Right now, I think the main thing I want to make sure that I've conveyed to people is that it's an experiment, this whole thing. So when I started to really gently let myself respond to that voice, that's when everything started to really shift for me. And when I started to really focus on what I enjoyed doing. And then um, I started to say before about my husband being a fifth line, I noticed that I had quit doing a lot of things I loved because either he didn't care about them or maybe he just, maybe he out and out didn't like them, right? Um, I used to make a lot of crafts and he is not a crafty guy, didn't like what any of it looked like. So there was no like, oh, that's really cool kind of responses from him. And there were a lot of, you got glitter on the floor and I can't, you know, I'm sick of glitter, I hate glitter, whatever it was, right? So I allowed those things to become reasons for me not to do something that I loved. And the way that I told that story was, he did this. You know, I told the story of everything that I quit doing as being things that he wouldn't let me do, didn't want me to do. And so what I realized is all of those things are a choice, right? So if he doesn't like something, he doesn't have to like it, right? So, and everything we do is a choice. So if he doesn't like it, I can be kind about it. I can try to work around it. But when I give up doing something that I love because he doesn't love it, it's no different than me thinking he's going to stop riding his motorcycle because I don't like it, right? And I, I have no problem with it, but I'm just saying. Um, so that was a really big shift. And that's the one thing I did not really talk about is um, 2022 was also my second Saturn return. And, you know, people talk a lot about the Chiron return, second Saturn return. I, yeah, that one brought me to my knees, literally. I remember my, so my Saturn gates are the gate 13, which I'm no, I already mentioned to Sharon that I have. I have um, gate 13 is both my Saturn gates and it's also my um, conscious moon. So that energy is all about who are you listening to and what are you? what's the story you're telling about it? And I realized in that moment that I had projected everything I was afraid to do or everything that was happening, I had somehow made my loving, wonderful husband the reason for all my problems, right? And, you know, I say that with a little, you know, with a grin because, you know, it's not, it wasn't fun for him, I'm sure. But we can 
we can think of everybody who, you know, how many people do you know that have been married for years and every time you talk to them, they complain about their partner, right? Because it's just an, a, a role we fall into and what we focus on grows. And so I realized as I was focusing on this disempowering story where my problems were coming from something outside of me, it was really just keeping me small. And so it was after that, after that second Saturn return, was when not long after that I said, my husband and I had this amazing vacation together because I had a very different way of doing things. I said, I'm going to, I would love to do this today. If you want to come with, that's, you know, that would be great. But if, you know, if not, you can do whatever you want. And that was my approach to every day of the vacation. It was not, I really want to do this, but I know he's not going to want to do it. So I'm not going to say anything, which is how I had went through life. Or I'm going to ask him in a way that already implies that he's not going to want to do it. And so when I started to really just not need him to um, allow me to be me, there were a couple things he didn't do, and I had a great time without him. And then there were some things that he really surprised me by not only doing, but completely embracing and enjoying. And it was just such a different thing. And the only thing that had changed is the way I had approached it. So that was that was huge for me. And um, so we're about at the top of the hour. And I see Vicki says, I so resonate with your story. That's sweet, Vicki. And it, I just really want to thank everybody for showing up and listening to me ramble about me a little bit. And if you're interested in hearing anything else, you know, feel free to put it in the comments. I would love to expand on this if anybody has any other questions they want to ask. So thank you so much. Every week we share stories of how my guests have come to understand themselves in a more loving and empowering way through the lens of human design. How you think and speak about yourself matters. Human design can show you the reframe of not only your own story, but the story you tell yourself about yourself and your relationships. If you're ready to start living a better story, I'd love to help you through the process of embodying who you came here to be. To work with me, you can set up a discovery call at kathybashanko.com. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, I would really love for you to subscribe and get the notifications about all the amazing guests that come on here and share their stories. So thank you very much. Everybody have a great day.